Great to see you in the house today. Hey, uh, get your Bible out and open it up with me to Revelation chapter 19. Revelation 19 is where we are uh, this morning. Uh, when I was a young uh, kiddo, my dad was a worship pastor and uh, he had a song that he would sing quite often. In fact, if, there, if he had a walk-up song, this would be it, right? If he, if he had a, uh, a song that people knew him by a signature song, this was this song. In fact, he would sing it often in church service, but if he went, did a revival somewhere, they wanted him to sing this song. He actually pressed it in an album uh, at one time uh, back in the early 70s. This was a big Big song for him, and I remember hearing it many, many times as a young boy. And the name of the song was The King is Coming. Anybody ever heard that song? All right, The King is Coming. All right, some of y'all have heard it. Uh, it depicts what it will be like when Jesus Christ comes. And so it really paints this wonderful picture. And in fact, I'll never forget the, the chorus, the king is coming, the king is coming. I just heard the trumpet sounding and now his face I see. The king is coming, the king is coming. Praise God, he's coming for me. I remember that uh, song. And even as a young boy, it just kind of stirred up in my heart a, uh, a longing uh, for Jesus to come. Uh, and, and that longing for his come has not diminished over time in my life, but only grown. As I've uh, grown older and studied the, the word of God, I just have a longing and a desire for Jesus to come back. Don't you? Don't you have a longing for that? Uh, and, uh, and this has been the heartbeat of Christians throughout generations. I mean, for 2,000 years, Christians have longed for and thought about and prayed for uh, the coming of the Lord Jesus. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today, all right? The king is coming. Somebody asked me this week, well, when is Jesus coming back? I said, he's coming this Sunday because we're studying Revelation 19, all right? So you better be in church, all right? Anyway, um, so a couple of thoughts here before I, we jump into it. Um, I'm going to download a lot of information. This is a content-rich sermon, all right? And so I have put all that content and bonus content in the sermon notes. If you go to the app, go to sermon notes today, there's all the references, all the backup material, all that is right there for you, okay? So I want you to be sure you don't have to write it all down, it's right there in the sermon notes. Uh, secondly, I want you to really pay attention to what I'm saying. I'm going to cover a lot of material, but if you pay attention, this is going somewhere and to a big reveal at the end of the uh, at the end of the message, okay? All right, so Revelation 19, where we left off last week uh, were the bold judgments of God. And all the nations have gathered with their armies at Armageddon to fight the, the war of all wars against the Lord. But while the drum beats of war are happening on the earth, uh, you have a celebration in Revelation 19, 1 through 10 in heaven. Heaven is celebrating and they're excited and they're worshiping uh, because Jesus Christ is about to come. By the way, this is going to be a great sermon for some amen. So just get your amen ready, all right? Uh, Jesus Christ is about to come. Amen. All right, amen. All right, Revelation 19, uh, we're going to begin at verse 11. Uh, by the way, we're going to look at today uh, the victory of the king. And then we're going to look at the rule of the king. And then lastly, we're going to look at the bride uh, of the king. All right. So let's look at the victory of the king. Revelation 19, beginning of verse 11. Uh, this is the word of God. 
Then I saw heaven open, and there was a white horse, and its rider is called Faithful and True. And he judges and makes war with justice. And his eyes were like fiery flame, and many crowns were on his head. And he had a name written that no one knows except himself. And he wore a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies that were in heaven followed him on white horses wearing pure white linen. And a sharp sword came out of his mouth so that he might strike the nations with it. And he will rule them with an iron rod. And he will also trample the winepress of the fierce anger of God, the Almighty. And he has a name written on his robe and on his thigh, King of kings and Lord of lords. Stop right there. Uh, This is the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ in power. This is Jesus as our warrior king, right? The first time he came, he came in humility. Now he comes in uh, in power. First time he came in secrecy. Uh, But this time he comes and all the world uh, will see him. And you see him as our warrior king with all the images here. He, he comes in on a white horse, a picture of victory. Eyes like fire, we've seen this before, that penetrates even to the soul. And I believe set on fire with godly wrath. Uh, he comes with a bloody robe that, that's a symbol of the battle that he's uh, walking into, we see a sword coming out of his mouth. That's kind of a weird thing, right? A sword coming out. But that just simply means that he will defeat his enemies with a word, right? He's not going to be down there dueling it out, all right? He's just going to speak a word and, and it will be done. Uh, he comes with a sword out of his mouth. He will rule uh, with a, a rod of iron. Listen, Jesus is not coming uh, to, to take suggestions, right? He's coming to take over. Uh, he's coming to rule. Uh, this, is a, this is not the uh, gentle Jesus. This is a warrior Jesus. This is not the, uh, the, the timid Jesus. This is the, uh, the king Jesus that is coming in conquest. But, but I love the names of Jesus that appear here. Uh, notice them. Verse 11, it would be a great thing to underline in your Bible. Uh, verse 11, he's called faithful and true. Don't you love that? Don't you love that? He's faithful. He's true. No more deception, no more, uh, no more lies uh, that the beast has been giving us, uh, no more uh, gray areas. He's faithful and he's true. Verse 12 says that he has a name that no one knows but himself. I love that too. You know, there have been so many scholars that are trying to figure out what is a name that nobody knows but himself. I'm like, come on, guys, nobody knows it but himself, all right? You don't know it. You won't know it, all right? And that's a beautiful thing because there's mystery in the Lord. And, and, and even when we get to heaven, we're going to be learning more about him and who he is and what he's about. Verse 13, he, uh, he's called, I love this, the word of God. Does that remind you of any verse? Uh, John uh, 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God, and the word was God. This, this is Jesus' uh, title uh, as divinity. He is the eternal one. He's the creator of all things. Uh, he lived among us and dwelt among us, and now he comes in glory and power. And then in verse 16, he's called the King of kings and the Lord of lords. 
Hey, hey, our king is coming. Our king is coming. King Jesus is coming. What a, what a uh, marvelous, glorious appearing of Jesus Christ. Now, a couple of things are, 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 you need to know about his coming. This is a little bit of review from what we talked about already. But let me give you three things we're taking notes about his coming. Number one, his coming will be preceded with cosmic signs. Now, we've already seen this uh, last week. In Revelation 16, we saw that before he comes, or maybe just preceding his coming, there will be darkness on the kingdom of the beast and, and on his rule. Uh, that's Revelation 16.10. There will be hail uh, falling from the sky, uh, Revelation 16.21. There will be an earthquake that will shake the world, uh, Revelation uh, 16, verse 18. All these things take place right at or just preceding uh, the coming of the Lord Jesus. Second thing that uh, we need to know about his coming is that his coming will be announced with a last trumpet. A last trumpet. If you remember, there are seven trumpet judgments in the book of Revelation. And in, in the last trumpet, it, is a, it, is, it takes you right up to the point of the return of Jesus. In fact, the seventh trumpet, all of heaven cries out these words. Listen to this. The seventh trumpet, angel blew, uh, the seventh angel blew his trumpet. And there was a loud voice in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. And he will reign forever and ever. Have you ever heard those words before? The kingdom of our Lord become the kingdom of his Christ, and he shall reign forever. Have you ever heard that before? Huh? The hallelujah chorus, man. That's where this is from. All right? They're, they're, he's just taking this lyric and, and singing it forever and ever and ever. He will rule. He will rule. This is actually the seventh trumpet. This is the last trumpet. This is how heaven responds when that trumpet is sounded. He will rule forever and ever. Then third thing about his coming, his coming will be with the armies of heaven. Look right here, Revelation 19, verse 14. The armies that were in heaven followed him on white horses wearing pure white linen. So who are the armies of heaven? That's a really great question. A lot of people have different views on this, but I, I think we can pretty much land with confidence that these armies include angels, for sure. They include angels. Maybe Michael the archangel. Daniel kind of gives a little hint to that. Maybe Michael the archangel is engaged uh, in this battle. Uh, Jude 14 tells us that when Christ comes, he will come with 10,000 of his holy ones. All right? Not just a few angels, not just a battalion, uh, 10,000 of his holy ones coming. Can you imagine what that sight will be like? But I think the, angel, I think the army of heaven also includes uh, those saints who have already been in heaven. In fact, uh, 1 Thessalonians 3.13 and others uh, seem to indicate that Jesus will come with his saints, which is not... Uh, his, his angels. And so I believe that all those that have been in heaven waiting for this day are going to go, woohoo, let's go. And, and it's going to be a, it's going to be awesome in heaven, man. If you're in heaven, you get to be on this part, man, it's going to be a ride. All right. Coming down uh, with King Jesus. All right. And so he's coming and what will he do when he arrives? Well, he will defeat his enemies. 
Look at Revelation 19, verse 20. He will take that beast and the false prophet and throw them into the lake of fire. All right? And then verse 21, he will decimate the armies with a word that have come out to fight against him. There will be no survivors And then in Revelation chapter 20, verse 2, Satan, he will grab Satan by the nap of the neck and drag him and throw him in a pit, and he will remain there for a thousand years. This is the victory of King Jesus. King Jesus is going to come. Hey, he's coming, and when he comes, he will be victorious. It's not even going to be close, all right? You're not going to be biting your nails going, man, it's back and forth. Is it going to work out? No, it's not going to be like that. One word, boom, it will be done. King Jesus will rule and he will reign. I have a friend of mine and he, uh, he uh, loves his Bible. He writes in his Bible all the time. And uh, in fact, I saw him at the coffee shop about a week ago and he had his Bible open and, and he was, it was open to the last couple of chapters of Revelation. And, he, and so it caught my attention. I mean, he's got so much stuff written in the margin of the Bible, you can't hardly even read the print because it's just, it's covered with his writings. And I noticed that in a highlighter, he wrote over the chapter 19, the words, we win, exclamation point, exclamation point. I think he's got the picture, right? King Jesus is coming. Are you excited about that? I, thank you, brother. I appreciate that. He's got some zeal right there. I'm going to give you a chance to catch up, right? King Jesus is coming. You excited about that? All right, amen. He's coming to be victorious. All right, second thing, uh, let's look at the rule of the king. The rule of uh, the king, uh, chapter 20, beginning of verse 4. And then I saw thrones and people seated on them who were given authority to judge. And I also saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image and who had not accepted the mark on their foreheads or their hands. And they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were completed. And this is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy are the ones who share in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them, but they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. John saw people seated now on thrones. The last time he saw this was in Revelation 4 when it was in heaven, thrones in heaven. Now these are thrones on the earth. And who are seated on these thrones? Well, they are resurrected believers. Look again at verse 4, Revelation 20, verse 4. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Uh, This certainly includes the martyrs of those who did not take the seal of the beast, the mark of the beast. Certainly them, those that were uh, martyred during the tribulation, they are included. But I also believe that these include all saints of all time. And the reason why I have in the notes there is multiple references that we will reign with Christ uh, when he comes. And this is a repeated phrase over and over and over in uh, the Bible. In fact, this resurrection of the righteous is given a name in verse 5. This is the first resurrection. Now, what resurrection is this? 
It's the first resurrection, right? Well, wait a minute. I thought Jesus was already, yeah, Jesus was the first fruits, right? He was the first one, but, but this is the first resurrection. Now, some people go, wait a minute. Wasn't Lazarus raised from the dead? And then we have a couple other people in the New Testament that were raised from the dead. Yeah, but the problem with them is they were raised and then what happened to them? They died again, all right? What a bummer, right? What a bummer, have to die again. Uh, but, but the first resurrection are those that are believers in Jesus that have been raised in their resurrection bodies never to die again. This is a first resurrection. And those who participate in this resurrection, all who are, have faith in Jesus, look at them. They're blessed. They're holy. Death has no power over them. Revelation 20 verse 14 says, and they will reign with the Lord for a thousand years. You know, the Bible says that there are two resurrections. There's a resurrection of the righteous and there's a resurrection of the wicked. Uh, Daniel chapter 12 verse 2 says, many who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to eternal life and some to disgrace and eternal contempt. And this is also uh, supported by Luke 14, 14, John 5, uh, 29. So this is the first resurrection. This is when believers are raised in the resurrected bodies uh, and will rule and reign with Christ in his millennial kingdom, the thousand-year rule of Christ on the earth, right? So we have the victory of Jesus, the victory of our king. We have the rule of our king. But now I want to talk about the bride of our king. The bride of our king. Now many of you have been asking me about the rapture. I don't, I've gotten several emails. When are you going to talk about the rapture? Hey, pastor, you missed you miss the rapture. All right. Uh, I've had people catch me in the hallway. Hey, you haven't told us when's our ticket. You know, when do we get to go up? All right, when is this going to happen? Now, you may be saying, well, what is the rapture? So the rapture is uh, the doctrine of, of the, the believers that are alive when Christ comes, being caught up to meet him in the air. And, uh, and so the question is, when will this thing happen? It's a supernatural event. When will this thing happen? When will the rapture happen? Of course, there are many views on the rapture. There are some that believe that it happens before the tribulation. There are some that believe it happens uh, in the middle of the tribulation. There are some uh, believe that it happens pre-wrath, just before the seven bowls are poured out. There are others that believe that it happens when Jesus Christ returns. There's even a, 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 a half-rapture version. I'm not really sure what that one is, but, uh, uh, but there are lots of different views about uh, the rapture. But when is it going to happen? That's the big question. When? When? Not, not will it happen. We know it's going to happen, but when will it happen? So here, here, let me just put to you this way. How, how about this? Uh, let's say a detective comes up on a crime scene, and they're going to try to investigate who did this and when did this crime scene happen. What are they going to do? You crime junkie people out there, you know, you've been listening to this stuff, right? Uh, well, they're going to investigate. They're going to look at the evidence. They're going to they're look at surveillance video or maybe their cell phone. They're going to talk to a neighbor. Did you hear anything? They're going to they're gonna do everything they can to look at the evidence and not come in with a predisposed idea, but just let the evidence lead them where it goes finally to the truth, Right? What I want you to do when we talk about the rapture is I want you to put on your detective um, hat, okay? And I'll, I'm going to show you three pieces of evidence today that you need to investigate. 
And as you look at these three pieces of evidence, which are the basic main three pieces of teaching about the rapture, I want you to look for clues that might give you an idea of when this will happen. Are you, can you do that? All right, got your detective hats on. All right, I'm gonna give you evidence. You're gonna investigate it. And we're gonna look for clues as to a timestamp of when this might can happen. All right, so first piece of evidence is up here. We're gonna put on the screen, 1 Corinthians 15, uh, 51 and 52. Paul is writing, he says, listen, I'm telling you a mystery. We will not all fall asleep. He's not talking about the sermon, by the way. He's talking about death, all right? We will not all fall asleep, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we will be changed. Now, Paul is writing to the Corinthian church and he's explaining, talking about our resurrected bodies. Right? That's what the whole chapter is about. The gospel and our resurrected bodies. And then he gets to this part. He goes, but I'm going to tell you a mystery. Right? It's a mystery. We, we don't have all the parts yet. We, it's still uh, veiled in many ways. But we, I, I'm going to tell you a mystery, man. We're not all going to die. We're not all going to fall asleep. In fact, he said, there's going to be a moment when those of us who are alive are going to be in an instant changed transformed into our resurrected bodies and, and then the dead in Christ will rise and then we will be changed, suddenly, magnificently changed in the twinkling of an eye. So what do we learn? Is there anything in this passage that might give us a clue as to when this is going to happen? He doesn't tell us before this verse or after the verse. You can read the whole chapter. There's no clarity as to when. But in this passage, are there any clues? Well, here, here's a couple of clues. There, there is a last trumpet. He said this is going to happen at the last trumpet. Notice that? Uh, also, he said that there will be a resurrection of the dead saints. He said that the dead in Christ will be raised and then those who are still alive, they will be transformed, right? So that's all, all I could pick out of that. Uh, but that gives us some hint as to when this will happen. Last trumpet, resurrection, and those who are alive will be changed, okay? So that's evidence number one. Let me give you a second one. Evidence number two. This is the big rapture passage, 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 15. For we say this to you by the word of the Lord, we who are still alive at the Lord's coming will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep or those who have died. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and the archangel's voice and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are still alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so we will always be with the Lord. All right, Paul again is talking about this moment, right? This is the key rapture passage. And uh, he talks about the Lord is gonna descend. Now that's new information from the first one. All right, now the Lord's gonna descend and there's gonna be angels and a trumpet, which we heard uh, about a trumpet the last one, and resurrection of the dead saints. And then those who are alive, not only will they be changed, but they're gonna be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. This word caught up, uh, the word that we get the word rapture from. So it appears that the rapture and the resurrection are happening simultaneously 
as the Lord descends. So if you look at the clues uh, for this one, can we put that back up, the bullet points? Uh, yeah, the Lord will descend from heaven. Uh, that's what we learn from here. Angels will be there. A trumpet will sound. The resurrection of the dead saints will happen. And then the rapture of the living saints will happen. All these seem to happen at the same time, which is very similar to the first piece of evidence. But now we've got more information in this one. All right. So let me give you a third piece of evidence. All right. All right. And this comes from Jesus himself. All right. Our Lord is going to weigh in on this topic. And this is what he says, Matthew 24, immediately after the stress of those days. By the way, that should perk your ears if you're looking for a timestamp. <laughs> immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will darken, the moon will not shed its light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. And then all the peoples of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the sky to the other. All right, now we got more information here. Jesus says, uh, this is going to happen immediately after these things. Well, what things is he talking about? Well, if you go to Matthew 24, we've already covered this, so I'm not going through it pretty fast because I already preached on this in previous messages. But he already talked about the labor pains will happen, right? The wars and rumors of wars and desolation and famine. And then he talked about the abomination of desolation when the Antichrist is revealed in, in the temple. And then he said, after that will be a great tribulation, so much so that no one would survive, but he cut it short for the sake of the elect. And then he says, and after these things happen, then we'll look at it. What does he said? Then after that, then he says that there will be cosmic signs of the sky will grow dark and, and uh, stars falling from the sky. And there will be and angels and there will be trumpets and there will be uh, the descending of the Lord in great glory and everyone will see him. And then what will happen? He will gather his elect uh, from the four winds to meet him. Who are the elect? I already said this last week, 17, 18 times the word elect is used in the New Testament. Uh, 17 of the 18 refers to followers of Jesus Christ. Only one time it refers to angels. So let's look at our bullet point here. Now, this is kind of a compilation now of all the evidence we've compiled so far. Uh, it's going to be after the labor pains, after the rise of the Antichrist, after the great tribulation, there'll be cosmic signs. The Lord will descend from heaven. There'll be angels and trumpet, a resurrection of the dead saints and the transformation and rapture of the living saints. So here's uh, the big question. Where do we see this happening in the book of Revelation? <laughs> all right. If this is the evidence, if these are the clues, do we see any place in the book of Revelation? Is there any place in the book of Revelation where we see Christ coming in great glory? Is there any place in the book of Revelation where we see a trumpet sound, a last trumpet, a seventh trumpet? Is there any place in the book of Revelation where we see cosmic signs of darkness and, and uh, earthquake and things like that? Is there any place in the book of Revelation uh, where we see uh, uh, a resurrection of the righteous? Because if you can get to a place where you start seeing these things happen, uh, then that's where the rapture happens. Now, you need to understand that there's nowhere in the book of Revelation that there's a verse that says the rapture happens here. All right? 
Not one place. Isn't that interesting? In the whole book of Revelation, not one place that says the rapture happens here. So what we have to do is we have to look for the clues. And when you see all these things happening, that's where it's going to happen. Now, where do you see all these things happening? You see it happening in Revelation 19. You see it happening at the return, the glorious return of Jesus Christ. That's where you see these things happening right here. I believe the rapture best fits at the return of Jesus Christ. Now, by the way, there's, uh, there's another clue uh, that I haven't mentioned yet, all right? I wanna give you one more clue. How are we doing on time? Okay, I got a minute and a half. All right, here we go. <laughs> We're gonna go long. Uh, Revelation 19, all right, look at verse, back up to Revelation 19, look at verse six. We just read it. Then I heard this, something like the voice of a vast multitude, like the sound of cascading waters, like the rumbling of loud thunder saying, hallelujah, because our Lord God, the almighty reigns. Let us be glad, rejoice and give him glory because the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has prepared herself she will be given linen to wear, bright and pure, for the fine linen represents the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, write, blessed are those invited to the marriage feast of the Lamb. He also said to me, these words of God are true. Now, uh, I just got finished doing a wedding just last night, all right? I did a wedding. And the thing I love about weddings is, man, right before the wedding, there's all this flurry of activity. You know, everybody's getting their pictures made. Everyone's so excited. Everybody's so, I mean, the parents are excited. The kids are excited. You know, all the wedding party's excited because marriage is happening. It's gonna happen. Well, what, it, what we're seeing happen in Revelation 19 is a flurry in heaven because a wedding's about to happen. It is a marriage of the lamb who is Jesus and the bride who is his church. Now listen, there's not been this flurry all the way through the book of Revelation. There's not been any kind of excitement like this until this very moment right before Jesus comes. When he's about to come, there's going to be the marriage of the, of the lamb and his bride. He's going to gather up uh, his bride. Now, now, you need to understand Jewish tradition of a marriage. When a, a, a man wanted to be married to a woman, he, they would be betrothed. That was a legal agreement. There was as if they were married. Right? And then he would go home and he'd prepare a house for them to live in. And ladies, you hope you married a guy that was handy, right? And he was going to build a house. And then he would, at the right moment, uh, he would come, all right? And then her bridesmaids would be out there with their lamps and they're waiting and they're watching and they're waiting and watching. And then he would come, it's very romantic. He would come over the ridge on a horse and he would gather up his wife and put her on the back of the horse and off they would go. And his guys would come and gather up these bridesmaids and off they would go to a great banquet and celebration. Did you know that Jesus said in Matthew 25 that that's a exactly what it's going to be like when he comes. That's what's happening right here. On the white horse, here comes the groom gathering up his bride from the four winds. This is, this is marriage day. This is resurrection day. It's rapture day. Jesus Christ has come for his own. And it's a day of great hope and great celebration. Listen, folks, I, I, you know, honestly, uh, whatever you think about when the rapture happens, this is written for our encouragement, right? It's written for our encouragement that Christ is coming and he's gonna come get his bride and he's gonna take us to be with him and we're gonna rule with him and we're gonna be a part of that and we're gonna see it 
we're going to see it. He is our blessed hope. But just as the coming of Jesus brings great hope to those who follow him, the coming of Jesus is a dreadful thing for those who do not. Revelation 20 concludes with a picture of a great white throne and, and the, all the rest now of the dead are raised to life. Not the resurrection of the righteous now, but the resurrection of the wicked. And all stand before this great white throne. And the books are open. The books are the good and bad deeds of every person, the record of your life. And every person will stand before this white throne. And the Bible says in the end of Revelation 20 that those whose names are not in the book of life, the Lamb's book of life, which is a heavenly registry of those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ, those whose names are not in the book of life will be cast from his presence into the lake of fire, which is the second death. It's a sobering thought, sobering truth. You remember the song? The king is coming. The king is coming. I just heard the trumpet sounding and now his face I see. The king is coming. The king is coming. Praise God. He's coming for me. Listen, the king is coming. He's coming in victory. You can count on it. The king is coming. He's coming to rule uh, the earth. The king is coming for his bride. So the real question is, is he coming for you? Is your name in the Lamb's book of life. I want you to bow your heads with me for just a minute. Maybe you're here today and you cannot answer for sure whether your name is written in that book. You don't know for sure if you've been born again. I'm not asking you if you go to church. I'm not asking you if you believe in God. I'm not asking you if you're trying to be a good person. I'm asking you has there been a moment in time when you asked Jesus Christ to forgive you for sin and you surrendered your life fully to him? Has there come a moment in time when your name was written in that book? And if you say, Craig, I'm not sure, then today you can be sure. The gospel is that Jesus came the first time to be our substitute, to die on a cross for your sin he gave his very life for your sin to pay the penalty of it. Now he comes again in great power. Will you be ready? You can know for sure now. I'm gonna lead you in a simple prayer of faith asking Jesus to forgive you of your sin and to come into your life. And if, you, if right now the Holy Spirit's convicting you, hey, you need Christ, you need Christ. And just with everyone's head bowed, just lift up your hand. Pastor, pray for me. Just lift up your hand and I will lead you in a prayer right where you're seated to trust Jesus Christ. Anybody here, all right? Thank you, thank you. All right, anybody else? Pastor, pray for me. I wanna know for sure that I'm right with God. I wanna know for sure. All right, thank you. Anybody else? Lift it up, lift up your hand. Pastor, pray for me. Okay, you can put your hand down now. Just pray with me right where you are. Lord Jesus, I thank you for coming to pay the penalty for my sin. I thank you for your death on the cross 
And Lord, I'm asking you now, please forgive me. Please come into my life and wash me clean. Today I turn from my sin and I place my trust and faith in you alone. And I want to live my life for you. Thank you for your love for me. And Father, I thank you, God, for your word today. Your word is so rich and so true. There's so much hope in your word. Lord, thank you that we know that you're coming when, when we watch what's happening in our world around us and we can be so distraught by the things that are happening. We do not have to be afraid. We do not have to lose hope. You are our blessed hope. That one day you will come and you will gather your people and you will right every wrong and you will rule. And Lord, we long for your coming. Even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Even so, Lord, come. We long for your coming. Lord, help us live this week in light of your coming, full of hope and busy at your business. Lord, when you come, Lord, I pray you'd find us faithful, making disciples, sharing the gospel, planting churches, doing the work you call us to do. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said,